back, guys, to uh, Unlucky Frog Gaming here. Uh, Josh Hartley uh, with my co-host, Ben Porter, and our guest this week, Tom Mannering. How are we doing? So, um, <laughs> uh, so Tom is, uh, as we were saying in the previous uh, segment, uh, the uh, GM for my uh, regular Pathfinder uh, group. Uh, you were the GM for when I, when I first got into uh, RPGs as well. Are you going to so, do the Julian Montage accent? Is that I, where I, I, I mean, I, I, I mean, I, I don't need an excuse <laughs> to break him out of the box. He, he's always there, ready to go, but maybe later. Ever present. <laughs> so, um, so I, I thought it'd be good to get because you've been. You, how long have you been playing RPGs for now? Um, so I started when I was about. 11, 12, right. so uh, 20 plus a years. Long, <laughs> a long time ago in a galaxy far, far away. And it's a good two, two decades of, uh, of role-playing. Yeah, mm. so a, a grizzled veteran, so to speak. <laughs> grizzled is, is probably the, the politest way to put it, yeah. yeah. <laughs> so, uh. so, okay, so so let's say we're, we're doing your Marvel Cinematic Universe origin story for your role-playing. Yep. Uh, so what happened? What what drew you to it? Um, I kind of fell into it, to be honest. I wouldn't say I was drawn to it initially. Um, I've always been into, like, fantasy, sci-fi, mm-hmm. like, comics, you know, superheroes, all that kind of stuff when I was a kid, mm-hmm. as, as kids are wont to do. Um, and I always really liked the idea of creating my own worlds and, and being part of that. I think the, the interactivity was the thing that kind of pulled me in. Um, and I went into, we had a local toy shop, uh, family run kind of place. And I went in one day and they had this box with these fantastical fantasy characters on the front of it. And it was Dungeons and Dragons. I think it was the tail end of second edition of Dungeons and Dragons. So we're going back to the, okay. the sort of, uh, 80s, 90s content. And, uh, I thought that looks great. I wanna, I wanna play that. I think it was like a board game or something yeah. like that. Um, and I picked it up and I got it home and I opened it up and it had these like sheets of paper and a pack of dice and nothing else. And I was like, what have I just bought into? They have been had, like mom. Um, but I read through it and it was this really cool like uh, adventure that you play through and it was like you know you can now go away with these characters and make your own stories and, and now look at this book and you can make your own characters at that age i think it was a bit more advanced than i was comfortable with um and i did kind of take a step back from that and look at some simpler role-playing games at the time but as i got a little bit older and a little bit more uh confident with the system uh and with role-playing in general i picked up uh third edition D and that was that okay. was it really that was the beginning, uh, you know, that was raw credits we, for that. that we, we, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Title sequence, yeah. dramatic music. Yeah, Sting, you know, and then a little yeah. bit afterwards, yes. I pick up the new book. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, and did, did you just start being a GM or were you a player first? Um, I, I honestly don't know. I've, I've been thinking about this this week and I was kind of like, were you a GM first or a player? It's almost chicken and egg. Yeah. Um, I, I didn't want to be a GM. Um, I, I was a GM out of necessity. You always find when a, a group starts, there'll always be the one person that kind of leads it. And unfortunately, the person that, that sort of leads that incentive is usually the one that becomes the GM. Mm-hmm. You very rarely get someone going, let's do a role-playing game. I'm going to bring four of my buddies around. All right, Jeff, you're going to GM this. Because Jeff, Jeff's like, like what? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's, a, it's a bit like you see someone floating and you're like, give me that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, so I think... The, the buddies I hung around with at the time, um, there were a couple of us that, that did GM. 
um, but myself and, and one of my buddies at the time, Matt, we were kind of the first two to sort of take the GM chair. Um, I GM'd a lot more kind of superhero stuff to begin with. Uh, he um, Mutants and Masterminds, is that uh, Mutants and Masterminds, assist, it wasn't the one I used. I used a really old card system, actually. It was, um, you'd have a, a hand of cards that you played from, mm. and you'd have like three or four hot cards in your hand, and they had numbers on them mm-hmm. and superheroes on them, uh, mm. and you played them, and that would like key off your ability. So if you had like nine in strength and you played a card that was four, that was a 13 on your score. So it was a really simplistic system because you play yeah. the cards, draw a new card, that was basically it. Um, they had a few more intricacies to it but that was the simplified version of it Um, and that was great like we loved that you know we used to play that to death Um, and then we got into sort of D&D and and being a dungeon master in that um, or a games master it's a lot more intense Um, and there's a lot more weight on your shoulder for world building encounter planning Um, and when I was when I was really green I didn't believe in scripted adventures I was like, those, those are for pussies. You know, I'm not. I'm, not, I, I'm writing it all, right? I'm, not, I'm, I'm not, hardcore. Yeah, I was like, I'm not. I'm not going to use someone else's adventure. I don't need that. Um, so I would write everything. Uh, you know, wow. adventures. I had time though as a kid. So yeah. I wasn't doing my homework. Uh, <laughs> yeah. um, my parents wouldn't buy me like a PlayStation or whatever at the time. So I was like, I'm going to sit and I'm going to write. You know, these cool adventures, mm. and they probably weren't that cool. Um, but I thought they were awesome, um, and we'd play through them. And we jump from one campaign to another. And I think as, as a kid, you don't necessarily have the consistency, but mm-hmm. you start to get the skills that, you know, 10 years down the line, you'll still be utilizing, albeit more refined. Because this is it. Like, I I, um, I, I got into it rel- uh, relatively late to the party. Funnily enough, a very similar thing happened with me, though, whereas me, my brother, and my sister, one Christmas from our aunt uh, and uncle, got a could well have been the same boxed copy of Dungeons and Dragons mm-hmm. that you received. But I, I was a little too young. I mm-hmm. think I would have been eight. So it just blew my mind. My dad, bless him, he, he, he tried being a GM for us as well. And he did a good job. I, like, I, I would love to play a D&D GM'd by Kevin. He put in a sterling... Do you know, I... I I've never, I've never asked him like what, what was going through your mind, Dad, when you were playing this with us. Like, I mind it was what have I done? What am I doing? I'd yeah. rather be at the pub right now. <laughs> so buy them a game, she said. This will yeah. be fine. <laughs> so, uh, but uh, uh, another couple of years down the line, we got a more simplified version, which I think a lot of people, certainly in the UK, would have played Hero Quest. Mm-hmm. Which uh, am I right in saying it was published by MB Games, but actually designed by Games Workshop? I have no idea. Yes, it was. Yeah, there, there we go. Uh, because the first Bloodthirster miniature is based on a smaller miniature in that game. Yeah, I have that uh, that that Hero Quest miniature. Um, awesome. Barry gave it to me, uh, one of our friends, um, and I, I kind of look at it and I'm like, this is really cool in a sort of late 80s fashion <laughs> I right no, but, but like it was if, of its time anyone yeah. <laughs> who's seen my uh, Warhammer Undead Army they'll they'll know my grave I love my graveguard they're my favourite models in the whole army and they are n- circa 1986 nice uh, and they look it but I love that it, they almost look like uh, the skeletons from uh, Evil Dead 3 yep like They've got that sort of cartoony look to them. But I think that's great. I love that sort of... Uh, it's an aesthetic. Yeah. yeah. It's, it's, if you like that design, then batter in. 
Yeah. I mean, by all means, there's some that do not stand the test of time. I, I remember like um, the seeing the Warmer 40k because um, they've just redone the Gene Stealer cult, haven't they? Yeah, not, yeah, not yeah, too they, long they brought ago. out a few tanks and things. Didn't yeah. They? yeah, yeah, but uh, so so like uh, as a sort of retrospective, they had some photos of when they used to have the Gene Stealer cult back in like the early nineties. <laughs> and one of, I, I'm I'm not kidding you. One of the models is a, a limo. It was like a big purple limo. Yeah, I, I actually remember seeing that in person. It was it was a bit of a travesty. <laughs> What's that crime what, against modeling? What what does that do? <laughs> like. Well, you've got to take your, you know, your Gene Stealer pimps to like, wherever it is Gene Stealer pimps go. I was going to say it could be like, you know, Donald Trump's cameo. In, in <laughs> Do you think like so, there's a little Gene Stealer yeah. hanging out the sunroof, going, "Woo, I'm in Hollywood." <laughs> <laughs> but, um, I digress. Yeah. No, not at all. No, so, so um, obviously, so uh, when you were. Start writing these uh, homebrew adventures. Then. Yeah, yeah. You were saying you were a kid. So how old are you roughly now? Um. So when I was doing that, I was kind of in my my teens. Mm-hmm. I would say, and it's it's when I kind of hit um, college and and university that you start to run out of the time to mm-hmm. to spend writing that level of content. And I've every respect for GMs that can do it, and I know a lot of GMs still do do it. Um. But I I moved gradually onto more scripted adventures. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's scenarios that have been written by publishers for you to actually run through so imagine it as if someone's giving you the script to the film mm-hmm. um, and all you've got to do is insert your players you're, you're the director yeah. essentially you know, you've, yeah. you've got a screenplay um, you're putting your players into that you've got you know the frameworks set up for you and you just roll with the punches once the players get into it um, and then as you, you get comfortable with that I think you, you hit a middle ground uh, which is what I use for your campaign and, and the mm-hmm. sister campaign I run which is where there are elements of it that I'm using maybe pre-written adventures or pre-written elements, but there are elements that I've added in or mm-hmm. customised. And um, it's like any any hobby, the, the better you get at it, the the easier it comes, yeah. in a sense. I mean, although you're saying about these encounters being scripted, in a sense, they, they really provide a skeleton, don't they? Yeah, I mean, and, you're looking at foundations. Yeah, and then you and the players flesh that out, because it's quite similar with... Um, the, the, the Firestorm campaign supplement that we're mm-hmm. using just now because I mean the, the, the first campaign that we did together mm-hmm. Crimson Skies that was written from scratch yeah that was you and yeah, Stuart Stuart yeah. who were just basically coming up with the different scenarios just off the top of your head um, yeah. like we we, you know, like we had a map that we'd mm-hmm. drawn and everything and then the, the drawing map was then made into a full 3D map okay. with the Mighty Empires tiles. Yep. And we had these really in-depth rules for movement, for army structure and all that. And that was great, but I don't think I would want to do that again. <laughs> <laughs> I think that the thing is, it's when you get these foundations for a narrative, which is what a campaign is in, yeah. in Warhammer or, or 40k or Age of Sigmar, um, or when you've got a campaign in a, a role-playing game, you, you put the foundations in, but you've you've got to be able to to sort of um, adapt mm-hmm. as the players mm-hmm. get into it. And you don't want to uh, railroad your players. So you don't want to come into a game and you've got this, you know, cool dwarf lord and he's, you know, heir to his hold or whatever. And the GM goes, that's great, but uh, you're going over to Elflands and you're never going to see the Dwarflands again. Uh, <laughs> whatever you had planned, whatever you thought this character was doing, that's gone now. Yeah. Uh, because there's 
there's no level of like mutual respect there. It's not cooperative storytelling. Mm-hmm. It's different if I said to you, uh, you know, Ben, I'm going to run this elf-centric campaign. Um, it's going to be in all in the elf lands. It's going to be all about all X, Y, and Z. And you come over and go, well, I'm going to play a dwarf lord who rules this whole, you know, 600 mm-hmm. miles away. And I'm like, well, what are you doing, dude? Like, you know. Yeah. <laughs> you, have to, so, you have to meet halfway. Yeah, there's a compromise. Yeah. So, um, but, I mean, it could even be something like... Uh, you're playing a dwarf prince who's been sent to the elf lands as an emissary. Yeah, a secret dwarven prince. Sorry, that's an in joke. <laughs> <laughs> right, there's, there's one of the character, one one of the guys who's in our campaign. You and uh, we we always joke that he his character is a secret elven prince. Yeah, he and like literally like for quite a while now. <laughs> yeah, he he likes to play um the sort of secret the secret heir, you know, the, okay. he's going to, he's going to be the guy, the man, um, he's, he's a great gamer, um, but it's, he, he takes it on the chin because we always go, you know, so what's your secret? Are you an elf prince? Like, no, I'm not. Like, you are though, aren't you? you know, you're, yeah. I was just like, I, I just saw him writing it down and I was just like, it's an awful long time to write secret album prints. <laughs> so. this, is, this is one of the things I actually brought in with Josh's recent campaign. It was a bit of a, a new idea. I think you mentioned this on a, a previous have, episode. Yeah, yeah. Each player has a secret, mm-hmm. and that's something that that player brought to their character and the campaign. So I had to work. So that you, secret you in. know all the secrets. I do. I know all the secrets. <laughs> all, all of them. Each player only knows their own. They only know yeah. their own, and they will only learn the others through investigation, through them coming to the fore in the storyline. Mm-hmm. Some will come to to the fore perhaps earlier on. Yeah. Some might not come to the fore till a bit later on in the narrative because you can't have everything happen at once. Yeah. Um. Mm-hmm. But I've got plans for all of those secrets to kind of rear their head at some point. So did the players suggest these? The players, the players decided them completely. I had very little. Well, that, well, that's really cool because again it's like you're saying this sort of cooperative storytelling mm-hmm. so mm. it, it means as well that with you know with every campaign as you're swapping players in and out you, you're never going to run out of material because each yeah. player is going to bring their own ideas to the fore and this is great this is one of the best things about you i mean i think if if you've got players that are willing to to get involved in it mm-hmm. and put their ideas out there um you can you can listen to that and you can use that and one thing i like to do and i've done for years when I'm running a campaign, is actually to listen to the players when they're talking. Because I might have an idea for, right, well, in this campaign, I'm going to have uh, X, Y, and Z happen over there. You know, maybe the, I don't know, the, the underdwellers will come up and they'll attack yeah. and the players will have a theory on what's going on on an investigation and they might say, oh, maybe it's, you know, uh, the sky giants that are doing this. And I'm like, that's actually much better than what I had in mind. So <laughs> I'll just scrap those guys yeah, and bring in yeah. the sky giants. You know, it's 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 the ability to adapt it and, uh-huh. and take on board what your players are because this is something I was going to ask, actually, you know, because obviously you you always, uh, certainly in our campaigns, and I imagine in many, many other campaigns work in this way, you are constantly presenting your players with choice. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, to to what degree do you try and plan all different eventualities? I mean, how, do you have like four different paths in mind? Or are you basically, you've got a couple of ideas and you're sort of saying, all right, uh, okay, they've gone with this. I can make it work so that it goes with this with this scripted adventure that I have here. Um, you're peeking behind the magician's curtain here a wee bit, but yeah. uh, it's, <laughs> sometimes it's a bit of both. Uh, yeah. It can be the illusion of choice, sure. um, which is you present a choice, but ultimately both paths take you to the same... Which, which right. video gaming Location. is full of? Video gaming is full of it. Mm-hmm. I don't like doing that, but sometimes you have to do it. Sometimes yeah, yeah. There is, there's no other option. Um 
Well, logistical but, reasons. I mean, you know, we're all adults here. You know, we're not. Yeah. We don't have time to come up with all eventualities. So. What What I tend to do is have say two, three, four options that I know the most likely ones you will take. Have a rough mm-hmm. idea of what that would look like, and then once I see you're heading in one direction, I'll start to expand that. Sure. So you've got like a rough plan. It's partly scripted, partly Mm -hmm. improvised. Mm -hmm. And I've done a little bit of acting for my sins. (laughs) Um, And so one of the things about being able to improvise well is people think it's always making stuff up on the spot, Mm -hmm. but a lot of the time it's anticipating what's going to happen next. So Mm -hmm. for, for you as the GM... That's get that's uh, getting a read on your players. It is, yeah. It's knowing what your players are likely to do, yeah. Um, and it's putting things in place in case the unexpected does hit. Sometimes you're just going to have to think on your feet. That's just the nature of the beast. Mm-hmm. And the more you GM, the easier that becomes. What I'll do is perhaps if they throw a curveball at me, um, like a bridge joke. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> what I'll do, and so it is, begins. <laughs> what I'll do is I will put a staller up. Yeah. So I'll maybe yeah. have an encounter that I can drop in almost anywhere. Uh, so it might be an encounter with an NPC where they're going to have a chat, a conversation with someone yeah. that buys me some time so I can get my, my wheels turning. It might be a combat. Um, it might just be, you know, uh, a shopping trip. Mm-hmm. You know, you put something in that's going to... Every ca- every campaign has that at some shopping. point. Let's Yay! go shopping! <laughs> um, and and the, the last game that you mentioned earlier, you know, it was all about sort of you guys talking to people and plot development. Mm-hmm. It also allowed me to get a read on where were you going next? Yeah, what's what likely going to be the party's choice? Yeah, because I mean, basically, at the moment, if I was to try and game it a bit, we've got two options mm-hmm. at the moment. So I'm, I'm assuming you've got a plan for each. I do, yeah. uh, and I've got some some ideas on on the outside of that, and that's any GM will will tell you. That, mm-hmm. You know, those are the kinds of tricks that you use. It is it's a bit of smoke and mirrors, yeah. You know to to keep the ball rolling, but but really to see what your players want to do because well, a lot a lot of it is um, it's you're you're borrowing creative writing techniques, mm-hmm. but you're also borrowing like acting yeah techniques as well. It's yeah. it's quite interesting, you know. It's how it sort of straddles both worlds, like the creation does, and performance. Yeah, yeah. you you play in, in in so many different uh, ballparks. You mentioned improvisation, and and I find that players that are willing to, to improvise mm-hmm. are some of the some of the better players you will get. Um, I'm not saying that any type of player is better than the other. Um, I'll be strung up for that. Uh, <laughs> but <laughs> well, we, we we have talked about it on the podcast in the past, so where there are people who, when they play Dungeons and Dragons or Pathfinder or whatever, all they want to do is sit down, roll some dice, and beat up some goblins. And if that's how they enjoy a game, that's fine. And, and I suppose exactly as a GM, you have to cater to that. To but I, I think in a lot of ways, and you know, correct me if I'm wrong here. I think having both in the same campaign is where you're going to get some of the most interesting campaigns because well, you've got the diplomats and with the fighters, yep, essentially, definitely. So well, you've got you've got Gandalf arguing with Gimli about what they're going to do next. Yep. Yeah, and we have that in our campaign now. I'm, I'm sure Barry won't mind me saying this. Barry's one of the players there. He's got his character's a fighter. Barry is very much like combat oriented he likes he likes the math he likes the numbers yeah you know he likes to get in about it and, and crack some skulls and that's great as a gm having having a, a player that predictable is the wrong word but a player that very, you, very you simple and expect something yeah, from yeah. and you know what they want you can mm-hmm. cater to that 
And if, if I want to do uh, an episode that he's going to enjoy a bit more, I know, just yeah. stick some, some enemies in there. You know, you can get in about... Um, if you want to cater to someone who's into a bit more role playing, you cater to that play with more narrative, mm-hmm. more storytelling. And it is about knowing your players. There is, I think, that there is a line that has to be drawn in the sand where if you've got someone who is just crack skulls, take treasure, you know, no names, I'm not interested in the plot, that player might just not be the right fit for your game. Yeah. And there's nothing wrong with turning around someone. And I don't think it should be seen as a bad thing to say, we want different things here. But I think that's where um, things like. Pathfinder Society are, are good for players like that. They are, they're great because Pathfinder Society caters to, to different players, especially over the years. It's been around for nearly 10 years now. Um, and initially, I think it did start as a Crack Skulls dynamic. There was a lot more. Like a, of a, a raid, basically. Yeah, it was, you know, yeah. I'm going to have five random people, we're going to go do a dungeon together. Yeah. Um, and, you know, we're going to. Uh, it's called Murder Hoboing, where you're just you're killing people and you're taking stuff. Mm-hmm. So you're a poor guy killing folk for this stuff. Um, <laughs> so, so Murder Hoboing is a phrase I never knew existed. That, so. that is definitely the title of the episode. <laughs> <laughs> um, and it, it, there are people who play to that style and they enjoy that style. As it's evolved, they found that more players enjoy investigative, exploratory gameplay, um, mm-hmm. which is great because you can come down and you can see, to a degree, um, oh, this kind of adventure is really investigative. I want to get my diplomancer guy in there, you know, the guy's going to talk him up and, and woo mm-hmm. them with his uh, sweet tones, um, or I'm going to get my, my fighter in about this gladiatorial arena because mm-hmm. that's where I want to be. Um, and the GMs that run Pathfinder Society, myself and the others, we hopefully um, know which kind of players we need to cater for mm-hmm. um, to give them the experience they want as much as we can within the scenario because yeah. Pathfinder Society is all pre-written scenarios. You can't add yeah. your own content to it as a GM. You have to follow to a, a certain level what is there, mm-hmm. um, which is good for you because it makes it quick and easy to prepare mm-hmm. rather than me sitting down and trying to write an adventure. for. There's also a good um, good sort of gateway format as well for Fantastic people isn't that yeah. just want to dabble. Yeah, and I mean, what, what we found is, so we started Pathfinder Society about three and a half years ago, um, and we've had hundreds of people through the door, um, through Glasgow uh, and Scotland, and a lot of those people that come in have now gone off and made groups of their own. Mm-hmm. They still come, um, but they, they've they met a few players that play the same style as them, and they've gone off and they're playing their own Pathfinder campaigns at home. Um you know, Ewan, who's who's joined our campaign, I met at Pathfinder Society, mm-hmm. and he came into my home campaign, mm-hmm. which was which predated the society. Um, and they've gone and made their own campaigns. They're maybe playing different systems with those people because they've gone, hey, we like horror. Let's go do this horror yeah. game. Um, so it's great for you get to meet people. Um, I've met people across the UK that I now play the One Ring with. Uh, you know, I played that last night. With you, them, you do that on. I do Skype. that online. I do that on Roll Twenty. Okay. Um, using uh, Google Hangouts and, and Roll Twenty, and play online mm-hmm. with them. Um, and they're people I met through Pathfinder. Roll, Roll Twenty is a dice so, rolling. Yeah, out. so Roll Twenty is um, it's more than just that. It's actually an, an entire sort of interface um, okay. that you wow. can put maps up on. You can put tokens on. It's a virtual tabletop. Um, so it's a tabletop that everyone can see as if you were saying you're all in the same room together. It's a bit of a stretch, but you know it's, it's there. And you can mm-hmm. put monsters on it. You can put stats on it. It's got. Um, it's pretty much your full tool set for yeah, running. It's it's almost a computer game. Tabletop that RPG you online. To run a game online. That's really interesting. Magic of technology. Yeah. I know. There we go. Well, um, wizards kind of have that with the D and D. Yeah. So they've. Um, I can't remember what they call it exactly, but it's. 
they've got um, they've actually got um, a license with Roll Twenty now. Oh, do they? Uh, yeah. So what mm. they do is they they've sold their adventures or they've licensed their adventures to Roll Twenty. I don't know mm. the logistics of it, but you can now purchase the adventure in Roll Twenty, mm-hmm. and it's all there for you. So the maps wow. are there, the tokens are there. You just go into it. You bring your buddies into it, um, and you're good to go. What a time to be alive! <laughs> <laughs> no, but I mean that's true because you know that it, it's um, you know as we were saying, as great as something like Pathfinder Society is for people who are maybe wanting to try something like that, mm-hmm. but maybe their friends aren't into it. Yeah. Um, what happens with those people who live out in the sticks and you know there's uh, no one there for them they, sorted yeah they can they can go online they can find they can make some friends over message boards and they can uh, start playing uh, Pathfinder or D&D yep. from the comfort of their computer chair it's not even that you look at it from the point of view of people who can't physically can't get there you know if, yeah. you're, if you're homebound you know and this is a way to, to connect with people and do something that you love Mm-hmm. Um, which is fantastic, you know. Or if you're just a lazy bastard. Or if you're not. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, you can be. You can be more than one thing. <laughs> um, it is. It's it's great, and you know, we didn't have this when I got into role playing. Like, yeah. I I was from from a fairly reasonably sized town, but there's not a role playing community. Yeah, it's not like a city where you could have a role playing club. Yeah. Um, but now you know you can come from that kind of town. You can go on, and there's dozens, hundreds, thousands of gamers. Um, and so, it's a so is community. there like an LFG component to? I believe so. Um, looking for a group for anyone that doesn't. It's not it. something I've come into contact with, but yeah. I do actually think there is an element to that, and it's certainly something yeah. in the background. Um, I know there's communities, um, mm-hmm. one that I'm I'm involved with as well, that do set up games and go. You know, do you want to come and play our game? It's on Thursday night at eight o'clock. It's maybe a one-off game, but you can get in on it. Mm-hmm. You know, you can get that taste that, that you want, or you can come to a, a game in person if you want that experience. So yeah. it's there. And then if you you meet people, you set up campaigns, and, and you're good to go. Mm-hmm. So in your in your capacity, so uh, we mentioned in the previous episode, you're the uh, you run the Pathfinder Society in Scotland. Uh, in Scotland, yeah. yeah. Uh, so it's not just organising the. Um, the set the sessions in like Glasgow mm-hmm. and Hamilton etc. You actually run a convention every year. We as do, well. yeah, yeah. We do uh, SPSX, uh, which we just did in back end of October there. Yeah, and uh, we had about fifty people mm-hmm. uh, rock up for two days of, of hardcore gaming. Yeah, so t- tell me about the process then about uh, planning that and getting that together. Stressful. Hold on quickly, <laughs> SPSX. What does that stand for? Uh, Scottish Pathfinder Society Expo. There we go. Uh, or it's a it's a name that is is universally despised because it's actually quite difficult to to roll off the tongue as, yeah. as SPSX. But I kind of stuck to it out of stubbornness. We kind of made it the name initially the first week. It was just like right, there's an abbreviation. Yeah, SPSX. Let's go. And so I was like, that's a stupid name. And I was like, right, that's it. Port the bear. I I, <laughs> I prefer Tomcon. Tomcon is the the colloquial name that it's known by. The T-shirts, you know. That's <laughs> um, right. So. So you and uh, you and and uh, Joe some of, and Mark. yeah, some of your friends from back home uh, made T-shirts with TomCon twenty twenty. Was this for it's, last it's year? It was twenty sixteen. TomCon twenty sixteen. So I'm imagining it as like the TomCon, but then like you, but as a goblin. It's so the first <laughs> one is uh, a picture of me in a hoodie, but they've sort of shaded it and shadowed it, so I look like kind of a the dungeon, the kind of typical robed dungeon yeah. master. 
This year, um, there's a picture of me from Spain where I was wearing a sombrero. Yeah. Uh, but they've digitally edited it to be a wizard's hat. Um, <laughs> yeah, yeah. So there's a picture of me yeah. in this sort of wizard's hat. It's it's fantastic. Um, but it's uh, yeah, it's it's really it, it's humbling to see so many people come to a convention. Yeah. You know, calling All your, your name. <laughs> yeah. You know, it's it's really humbling uh, and slightly ego stroking. Um, but it is it's a little bit embarrassing as well yeah, um, yeah. <laughs> when your mates sort of appear behind you with your, your face on a t-shirt yeah. and a wizard hat yeah. uh, it's a bit like your mum showing up to your gig <laughs> or something yeah, like yeah. yeah it kind of is um, it's an impressive wizard hat as well it's not bad yeah it's big it is no <laughs> no Gandalf but... no, it's no Gandalf no, no. So, so yeah, yeah so t- tell me what the planning process is like then where, where, where did you start with that um, it was just kind of an idea um, and we said you know the society's doing well We'd love to get people from further afield, mm. give them something to come to. When you go to a convention for Pathfinder Society, you get more rewards for your characters. You get to do special scenarios that you can't do at home. So this is smaller groups. This is something that Paizo uh, support they, and actively oh encourage. Yeah, they actively support it. I mean, we get uh, voucher support from them, gift vouchers and things. Uh, they did a fantastic charity boon where they gave us a, a special reward for one character um, that we auctioned off for charity. So mm-hmm. we raised like I think it was like four hundred pound oh, for wow, Glasgow Children's cool. Hospital. Yeah. That's fantastic. Um, yeah. So it's it's got a good cause element to it as well as, as just bringing folk together. Mm-hmm. Um, but from a planning point, it was just kind of like you know let's get a date down, let's book a venue, yeah. let's get people in the door, and, and let's just play some games. And I tried to keep it as simple as yeah. as possible because well, I don't want to plan too much. <laughs> well, I was, uh, this is it, isn't it? When you when you catering to 50 odd people you want to keep things as simple as yeah. and as straightforward well, as possible when, when you're running a convention and running your role playing games it and can get working busy. yeah and finding time to just unwind yeah know. it can it can get pretty hectic and i have i have some great guys that support me um so i'm i'm lucky in that way uh, the hamilton club is is run by a a guy a guy a guy named chris um who does a great job over there a uh, guy called Doug who's going to be taking over for me on Pathfinder mm-hmm. Society next year. He's great on helping out and I've got some other friends as well that, that all chip in and, you know, yeah. help me carry the load. So it's not a solo operation. Mm-hmm. So it's good times. Yeah. Right. yeah. Good stuff. Good stuff. So, I mean, um, going back to sort of GMing then, mm-hmm. if um, if I was to say to you that, um, right, I've been, playing, I've been playing RPGs for a little while now, so I, I more or less know my feet. What what would be your advice to me if I wanted to if if I said like I've got uh, these group of people who are interested in playing, how would I go about starting a campaign and making it a good experience for them? Just do it. Just be positive. Mm-hmm. I think that the biggest thing that any GM can do is, is be excited about what they're putting out there. Yeah. Um, if you buy into it, if you want to do it, if you're excited about it. Don't worry about rules. Don't worry about, you know, getting everything right on the first time. Mm-hmm. No one's looking for that. Just get in there, have a good time about it, get your players on board, and then pick it up as you go. You know, nobody comes into this stuff knowing everything from the word go. Yeah. Um, but if you're enthusiastic and your your heart's in the right place, you're good to go. I've seen people, you know, who've been role playing for maybe three weeks, a month, pick up GMing and because they're so excited, they carry that enthusiasm into the game. Players don't even care about the rules. They just want to get in and yeah. get their hands dirty. Yeah. And that's it. Enthusiasm is one of the most infectious things it is. out there. It so, is. you know, if, you, if you're if you keen and you're eager, the, the other guys are going to mirror that as well. Exactly. So flipping that on its head 
from a GM's perspective, mm-hmm. how should a new player approach their role playing? Being like no, uh, <laughs> <laughs> I think I think just looking for people that want to do it as well. Yeah. Um, you know, in this day and age, you've got that online community. You've got more and more game stores now than there probably have been for for a good few years. Yeah. Um, you know, there's so much online support. Um, go out, pick up a book, start reading. You know, start looking through it. Watch movies about fantasy stuff that gets you excited, and then just find somewhere to get involved and, and be enthusiastic. Find inspiration and be enthusiastic. Then. Yep, that is that is literally the best. Positivity is the the best thing for role playing. Like, there you go. You heard it, heard it here first. <laughs> well, I think that's uh, a good place to draw this uh, episode to a close. Tom, thanks very much for coming on it's been uh, awesome. this week. Yeah, yeah I'm it's sure, been great. sure sure we'll hear from you again soon. I hope no so. Doubt. Yeah. yeah, you need to do that uh, next time, Gadget. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> or not. Or not. <laughs> yeah, let's let's let's. Bye. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Thanks, guys. Bloody.